We're just going to read the first four verses. But in the last days, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Let us pray. Father, we ask you that you would take your own inspired and divine word and take it and wing it home to every heart. Lord, that you would help us to see the nearness of the coming of the Lord, that you would help us to know, Father, the times that we are living in. Lord, that you would help us to be ready because we know the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. If there's some or one here who's not saved yet, we pray for their salvation, that you'd speak to them and draw them. Lord, that you would move upon each and every one of us to encourage us or even to admonish us in how you deem it and seem it fit to do. And so to that end, Lord, we pray that your word, whether now, here this moment, live watching or later, Lord, we pray that there would be a blessing, a blessing on the instruction in what is said and done this evening to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we ask it. Amen. This evening, the title is War and Peace with a subtitle coming off the Messianic Kingdom. Micah, the prophet here, mentions but in the last days. Notice the last days. What is the last days and when are the last days? The last days were from Acts chapter 2 and we're living in them right this very day. From Acts chapter 2, right until now. So today, we are in the last of the last days. As you sit here this evening, the world in which we live is the last of the last days. And notice even in verse 1, the prophet says, speaking of the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. This doesn't mean that God's Uh, son is going to come and he's going to be on top of a mountain. This is prophetic of nations, large nations and kingdoms. Mountains speak in prophetic terms of peoples and kingdoms and nations. And so the Christ is coming again and Christ will rule over every nation. Every nation that is large and powerful and other nations that are small and weaker 
Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming. And he will set up his messianic kingdom in that day when his feet touch upon the Mount of Olives, which is on the east of Jerusalem. The name Micah means who is like God or who is like Yah, Yahweh or Yehovah. And so the prophet prophesied during the reigns of kings Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Now remember, there are two Israelite kingdoms. The house of Judah is the southern Israelite kingdom, and the house of Israel is the northern Israelite kingdom. Two lines of kings, Samaria in the north and Jerusalem in the south. And Micah was toward the south. Micah was toward Jerusalem. And Micah prophesied in the reign of Jotham the king, then again of Ahaz the king, and of Hezekiah the king in Jerusalem. His contemporaries, in other words, other prophets who were around at the same time as Micah, were the prophets Hosea, prophesied to the northern kingdom, Amos, who prophesied to the northern kingdom, and of course the prophet Isaiah, when he prophesied to the north and then towards the south, to the southern kingdom in Judah. Now, Micah the prophet, it seems here in chapter 4 that he's bringing us hope and he's bringing us the idea of a bliss when Christ returns. And the messianic kingdom comes in its fullness when the Lord Jesus Christ comes the second time. But I want you to notice something here. He's also mentioned 100 years after our reading. And he's not always bringing a message of hope. But he brings a message of warning. A message of disaster. And a message of destruction. For example, Jeremiah the prophet, who comes 100 years after Micah, he then is going to be put down the pit maybe even loses life. And so he starts to think, how am I going to get out of this? And so there are those who side with Jeremiah and they bring out the books of Micah. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 26 and verse 18. They say, Micah, the Morshite, prophesied in the days of King Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake unto all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be like a ploughed field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Now, why were they taking Micah's writing 100 years later? And why were they, what were they trying to prove in the days of Jeremiah? This is exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to bring a precedence, a precedence to those of the princes and the leaders and the king who wanted to kill Jeremiah. You know why? Because he warned them of a judgment that was coming and they didn't like his words. He warned them that God was going to come down on Jerusalem and Judah and he warned them that the Babylonians would come and take them away to Babylon, that Nebuchadnezzar, the fierce king of Babylon, 
He was going to be used by God to bring the house of Judah to heal. That he would leave Jerusalem almost empty. And Zion or the city and Judah would be like a plowed field. Nothing in it, nothing growing. No fruit as it were, no people. He says, this is going to be the shape of the land. And so they hated him for it. You see today, whether you're a preacher of the gospel or whether you're telling people of the dangers that are happening in our nation and around the world today. Or maybe you're someone who witnesses to stand up against the, the wickedness of the laws of our land and the things that are being passed upon the people. Well, you see, you are looked at as one of these crazy fanatic lunatics. And they want to throw you down the pit. And they want to take you and get rid of you. Here, Jeremiah, his life was on the line. And for a precedence, in other words, a previous example as a guide to know what to do in this situation. If you go to court, if you're in court and they don't know how to deal with your situation, the lawyers and the prosecution, the defense and the judge, they, they take these things and they look into past history to see if there was a precedence how they might guide themselves in judging the matter that they don't know what to do with. And so they come with the prophecy of Micah. And they say, listen, Micah prophesied these things and you didn't kill him. Micah prophesied these things. Here's the precedence. That the prophet of God is allowed to preach the word of God. And in our nation and in Ulster tonight, we need to find the law that is the precedence. We need to find the law that is the precedence for witness for Christ. We need to know where we stand when we preach the word of God. And we need to know where we stand when we tell of the things of God. Whenever we are saying that people are lost without Christ and there's coming a day when they will stand before God. But there's coming a day when we must know it because the government will lay hold on us. Look to get rid of us. And even to cast us into prison. So they brought this precedence to say, look what happened 100 years ago. The elders remind the princes and the priests of Judah how Micah did not always bring a pleasant word. Micah, the man from chapter 4, who's telling us that Christ is coming who's telling us of the messianic kingdom. He's also the prophet who tells us that Jesus would first come in Bethlehem of Judah. These are the scriptures they read when the, the wise men came, the magi came, looking for him. When they took out the, the scrolls and they looked up the scroll of, of Micah. But he didn't always preach a soft message. He didn't always prophesy of a good thing. But he brought that which God had laid on him. And he brought and he gave that which God had given to him. And he brought a word that the people might turn from their wicked ways and repent. You notice he was in 
the days of King Hezekiah as a prophet. And Micah prophesying to King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah could have slain him and put him in prison. But King Hezekiah heard the word of God. And Hezekiah turned to the living God. And Hezekiah is now known as the reformer of Israel. Let me talk about the reformers in our day, 500 years ago. Hezekiah, around 650 BC, was a reformer in Israel. Pulled down the idols. He pulled down the groves from the hills. He took all of the idolatry out of the land. And he set up the doors in the temple and started to worship Yahweh again as it was meant to be in the scripture. And God withheld his wrath while King Hezekiah was on the throne. But unfortunately, Hezekiah's son was a wicked king who came after him and undone all that his father had told him and taught him. He's speaking to someone and maybe your parents were godly people. I'm speaking to someone, maybe your parents were good God-fearing Christian people. And you've walked the opposite way than your parents have walked. Such did Manasseh, the wicked king in Judah, the son of Hezekiah. But when Micah told of the hard things, the hard things, brothers. The hard things, sisters. Friend, you see, the gospel isn't all about God as love. God is love. The Bible tells us that. But love is not all that God is. And it's where a man and a woman stands with God. And if you keep hearing the soft, soaping, back patting, the bottle feeding word. You know the things a man get and tell you the nice little fluffy candy floss stories that make you feel good and they sound good and they're easy listening. You see, that will bring you to hell. The word of God preached in its balance will take you into the kingdom. Micah didn't always preach good things. That was the precedence the precedence that Jeremiah was showing and telling. Hezekiah reformed at the word of Micah. Hezekiah responded favorably to the word of God by the prophet. And he feared the Lord and the Lord blessed the house of, jo- the house of Judah and Jerusalem. Another contemporary, another one who was prophesying at the time of Micah is Hosea, now to the northern kingdom. And in Hosea chapter 9 and in verse 7, listen to what Hosea says. He's, he's trying to tell the people of their sin, but now he points to the people and he says, this what you think of me. I know there's people online or they'll watch later when it goes online and there's people live now who will watch and, you know, you see them, they put up their angry faces at you. Scary. <laughs> Not. 
And they think that you're mad. You think this guy is absolutely mad. I'm talking about myself. And if you're in the street preaching, you're mad. And in the days of Hosea the prophet, the house of Israel thought the same thing. Look what they say. It says, the days of thy visitation are come. The days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool and the spiritual man is mad for the multitude of thine iniquity and the great hatred. In other words, see you, Israel. You know why you hate me so much? Because you love your sin so much. Do you see you, house of Israel? Do you know why you hate me so much? Because you love everything you do so much. And the message that is brought to you makes you uncomfortable. And hence you hate the prophet. Notice the prophet is a fool. They're saying, the spiritual man is mad. The word spiritual there, by the way, is the word ruach. It's the word we have for the spirit of God moved in the face of the waters, of the deep. The spirit of God. The man with the spirit of God. This is what they're saying. The man of the ruach. The man of the spirit of God. The spiritual man is mad. See the word mad? It's the word shagath. This is what it means. Shagath, and it means to rave through insanity. See that man shooting and bawling in that tent? He's raving through insanity. This man of the spirit, he's mad. Do you know what another word, term it is for the word shagah, for mad? This man is a fanatic. The man of the spirit is a fanatic. The woman of the spirit is a fanatic. You can be a football fanatic, can't you? A fanatic about this or a fanatic about that or a fanatic about the other thing. But be a fanatic about Christ. This man of the Ruach, the Spirit of God, he's a fanatic. I'm a fanatic because I love the Lord. I, I'm a big fan of Jesus. Every man and woman of the Spirit of God should be a fanatic of the Son. Remember, there's another contemporary of Micah who also sent a warning, and that was Amos the prophet. Amos the prophet, believe it or not, he lived in the southern kingdom of Judah, but the Lord called him from following the sheep, the herd, and the flock, and he went north into the northern kingdom. He says, I'm not a prophet, neither the son of a prophet, when he's asked. I don't even know what I'm doing here, he says. But I'm just coming to deliver to you that which the Ruach has given to me. I'm coming to deliver the word of God as the Spirit of God hath borne me along. And so he comes as the prophet to give the word to the northern kingdom of Israel. Here's a word. Here's a verse. Here's a line that we'll know as soon as I mention it. 
Amos comes, and in chapter 4, it's about all the nations around about Israel. The Lord's going to judge. The Lord's going to judge. Go ahead, prophet, say the Israelites. Go ahead. Give it to them. He's going to judge you, and he's going to judge you, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that for three and yet for four sins, and all of this stuff he's saying. God's going to judge you all around the nations. But then in Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, this is what he says. Turns it inward and he goes, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Oh, it's different when it's at your own door, isn't it? It's different when it comes to your own door. And that which is coming to our door in our nation. Just talking tonight, and I'd read it a day or two ago, Austria are looking to start locking up people if you haven't gotten vaxxed. Now, if you've got vaxxed, that's fine, but Austria are starting to look up and lock up people who haven't. Ah, that's in Austria. See the, see the virus? The virus is in Wuhan. That was all right when it was in Wuhan, wasn't it? used to watch it and all on, the, on, on YouTube. People falling over and all that sort of stuff in the news. It was all right because it was out there. Oh, the virus is, it's actually going down now. It's in Italy. And they're, they're doing, oh, well, that's all right. See, it's in Italy. It's all right. It's okay in Italy. It's not for the Italians, like, sure it wasn't. But do you see the day Boris Johnson sat there and says, we're going into lockdown? Brought it right to our door. Brought it right to our door. Listen, it's like sin lying at the door. We don't want to own it. It's like sickness comes to our door. See the man down the street? That man down the street has cancer. Terrible. Oh, see the woman three doors down? Well, she has it now too. But do you see when it comes to your house? Do you see when it comes to your door? That wee woman down the street, dear lover, she passed away last night. We feel sorry for them. Or the one that comes closer, ah, see him, yeah, bad, he's in an accident, or this happened, or that happened, and it comes closer, see when it's at your door. And the Lord said through Amos the prophet, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And said to Britain tonight, and said to Northern Ireland tonight, But you said to the Republic of Ireland tonight, they're already sold away out down the river anyhow down there. Talk about Irish nationalist freedom. But sure, they haven't got their freedom. They talk about the brave soldiers of Ireland. But sure, they haven't got their freedom. Europe owns them. Europe is their boss. The beast system has them. And that's why we don't want to be in it. Hello? Amen. 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 
when it comes to your door. I wonder what's going to be at our door next. What's going to be at our door next? What's going to be at the doors of Ulster? Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel, says the prophet Amos. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel, O Britain. Ulster. United States, Canada, we can go on. South Africa. Australia. Australia's turned into a prison camp. A prison camp. New Zealand. Brothers and sisters, if we don't wise up, if we don't wake up to what is going on, here's the next step. How many weeks ago before it all came out that I tell you about the Great Reset? And the next step I told you was what? The green issue, wasn't it? Here is the hope, the remedy. Amos says in Amos 5 and 4, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me and ye shall live. What does Ulster need to do? We sang it this morning as we had our remembrance service here. What does Ulster need to do? Oh God, our help in ages is past. Our hope for years to come is shelter from the stormy blast in our eternal home. We need to turn we need to turn, and we need to turn again back to the Lord. Here we find Micah had said seemingly harsh and judgmental things to the leadership of Judah. But the king heard the hard words. Hezekiah, and he turned, and the Lord accepted their repentance. Imagine, for Majesty Queen Elizabeth, called a national day of prayer. I believe it would have an effect on our nation. You know, on Sunday the 26th of May, 1940, King George VI, her father, called for a national day of prayer when the troops are all pushed back to the beaches of Normandy. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, 1940, storm broke out over Flanders fields, grounding the Luftwaffe. They couldn't fly between the, the, the British and the, the, the troops that were there and the German Luftwaffe. A big storm came between them. And God then started to settle as a pond. Someone wrote, wrote it was like a mill pond, the English Channel where little flotillas could go over to receive the troops back. Churchill in a speech said, we might get up to 40,000 home. Do you know how many they got home? 335,000. That was an act of God. Answering to the day of prayer. Answering to the day of prayer. June 1940, the 9th of June, Sunday. 
was appointed for a national day of thanksgiving. Congregations from across the nation, they read, they preached, and they sang Psalm 124. Psalm 124, if you want to turn with me for a few moments. This is what they read in pulpits across the land. This is where they preached from in pulpits across the land. And this is what they sang in churches across the land. Psalm 124, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The streams had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fighters. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What is our hope? What do we put our hope in? Man's device? Man's ability? Man's thinking? Man's ingenuity? All sounds good. But we put our hope in the Lord. We put our hope in the Lord. We find that the prophet, as he preached, they turned, and God blessed. In Micah 3, pardon me, chapter 4 and verse 3, notice what it says. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and lift up and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Brothers and sisters, we have to admit, war is vile. War is terrible. War is a tragedy. There's going to come a time when those who would be warlike will be more like a farmer, as it were. When Christ returns, there'll be none of it. There'll be no more bombs. There'll be no more people dying in their houses. No more shootings. Micah 4 and 1 says, but in the last days, these things will come. Now I want you to take note of something here. At the State of the Union address on the 6th of January, 1941, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was the 32nd President of the United States, he gave what was known as the Four Freedoms Speech. The Four Freedoms Speech. They were a fundamental freedom, he said, for people everywhere in the world. And they ought to enjoy 
them all. Here's the four of them. The first one was freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. The second one was freedom of worship. Freedom of worship. The third one was freedom from want. In other words, you would have supply. You could work and you could get and gain. And fourthly was the freedom from fear. Now you think about this. You ask yourself, are these four freedoms still in full operation today in our land? Freedom of speech is being withdrawn from us, taken away and robbed from us. Freedom of worship, close down your churches. You're not allowed to worship. Freedom from want. And here's where they are. We will take from you. Eventually, the great reset is to take everything. And the government will own everything. Because it's communist. The government will own everything you have. And here's what will happen. They will supply. You will not have freedom from want. They will give you a certain amount. That's where they want to go with this. And fourthly is freedom from fear. You know what? If you don't want to live in fear in the year 2021, you know what to do? Turn your TV off. Stop reading the newspapers if you read them. Switch off your social media because there's your fear. And start reading the Word of God and seeing that the Messianic kingdom of Christ is coming. For those are the days that we are living in. In the last days. These freedoms were fought for and hard won during the last two world wars especially. And now they are being taken from us. wonder what all those brave, very young men would think if they seen the United Kingdom tonight. Ashamed. I would say. They give their life for this. Will you turn with me to Luke chapter 21, please? Luke chapter 21. Let's I run down. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. The verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption. Draw off. Aye. Brothers and sisters, Luke 21 and 25 The Lord Jesus says there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. It may be literal, but I also think there may be more like the mountains or kingdoms. The Lord Jesus is looking at something deeper here because if you go to Revelation 12, there's a woman clothed with the sun, the moon at her feet, 
and around our head are 12 stars. The Roman Catholic Church will say, well, that's the Catholic Church in Mary. The Protestant Church says, well, that's the Protestant Church. It's neither. It's Israel. I'm talking about scattered ancient Israel. And how do you know that? Genesis 37, Joseph has a dream, and he comes to his father, Jacob. And he says, I had a dream, paraphrasing for time, and there was a, a sun and the moon and 11 stars, and the 11 stars and the sun and the moon bowed down to my star, the 12th star. And even Jacob says, uh, will I and your mother and your brethren fall down to bow before you? See? Bible will interpret itself. Seed of Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel. Scattered and regathered and preached to by the Christian gospel of saving grace in Christ. And so we can see it, it's happening in our lands tonight. But notice this. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. On the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity. Would you say perplexity? Would you say it louder? Perplexity. perplexity. Do you know this is the only place that this word aporia for perplexity would be used? Notice here, it means in a quandary. The nations will be in a quandary. It means there'll be no way out They'll have their G20s in Rome about their cyber technology. They'll have their COP26. They'll try and figure out how we're going to fix the planet. They're going to wonder how in the United Nations and the NATO how we're going to stop the war with 100,000 Russian troops now. You know where they are? along the border of Ukraine. There's more Russian troops along the border of Ukraine as we speak than there are British troops in the whole of the British army. In Belarus, the hordes that are coming over. And in Poland with Belarus there, they're now saber-rattling and Russia is moving troops down into Belarus. China has built up the biggest naval fleet that's ever happened. Northern Australia are now calling in for nuclear subs. And just this week, Australia says that they would back Taiwan because there's more chance of a war now to happen in Taiwan than ever before with China. And because the Australians are going to back them up, guess who else then is going to be called in? America and the United Kingdom. Perplexity. The nations are in a state of a quandary. The leaders don't have a way out of it and they'll sit and they'll gabble and they'll gasp-bag around tables for days and they'll eat plenty and they won't know what to do. They're in a perplexity. Actually, the Perplexity, aporia, uh, the root word is aporeo. Listen to what it means. To be without resources, to be in the streets, to be left embarrassed. 
to be in doubt, to be at a loss, not knowing how to decide or what to do. How does this get on in Glasgow, man? I'm not really sure how to get on with this. We've made promises that most of us won't keep. How'd you get on up in Stormont? Oh dear. Westminster. Men everywhere. United States and Washington. United States is a mess. And I love America too. I love going there. The Bible tells us this will happen. In verse 26 of Luke 21, men's hearts failing them for fear. Not the word for failing them for fear, is apopsico. And see when you put it together in the English, it looks like apopsico. It means to breathe out, to swoon, and to faint. And, and sorry I got my words wrong, this is the only mention of this one. To breathe out, to swoon, to faint. Men are going to start fainting and swooning under the pressure of it. They're going to see what's happening. Sure, our, our very society is divided. You've got in and they've caused a whole confusion among us. And because of the confusion, you know what the New World Order motto is? Who said that? What was it? Exactly. Norman. Out of chaos, order. They start the chaos, they make the chaos, then they give you the answer. You know why? Because they become your savior. They become your God. Let's trust these men. Bill Gates, we will bow down to you. Do you know Bill Gates has bought up a lot of the debt in the Republic of Ireland? You know he owns millions of it now? The shares all over? Yes, men's hearts will breathe out and swoon and faint, failing them for fear. Fear everywhere. Christians are afraid to meet in church. Christians are afraid to shake hands. You're going to get out there. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to bump an album. I'm going to throw my arms around you. I don't know what to do. Somebody new comes in and I go, "Where? How you doing?" It's uh... <laughs> is that true? Fear, 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 fear. Christians are afraid to sit beside one another. seen a photo during the week of a, a group of Pentecostals praying over someone. Hands like this, to pray over them. Then hands, they're about three meters away with masks on. I'm not joking you, this was here. Man's heart's failing them for fear. of the things that are coming on the earth. Also it says the word fear. The word fear is the word phobos. It's where we get the word phobia from. That means a dread, a terror, to be alarmed and exceedingly frightened. 
looking after, notice, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. The term here for looking after means an apprehension of evil, having an expectation of something bad. Every time, every time I look at something or read something and see something, it's, it's always about your next step. We're leading you along this way. And here's your fear if you don't. The word for the powers shall be shaken. Powers of the heavens shall be shaken is the word dunamis, where we get our, our word dynamite from. And, and heaven is a very interesting word. It's the word oranos, where we get the word uranium from. Uranium. And in the Greek where Uranus comes from, it speaks of the Greek god of the Titans. It gives the idea of one who personifies the heavens, but it's not our God. One who will personify, as I said, of the sun, moon, and stars, nature, will personify and rule over the people. Listen to this. The Word of God has told us this word for uranium or anos over 2,000 years ago. But in 1789, chemist and mineralogist Martin Henrik Klapworth, he found that uranium was something that could be used on earth. Uranium is known as the metal of heaven. The metal of heaven. And uranium is the basis element of nuclear power. The nuclear power stations, nuclear bombs, nuclear energy. For example, in 1986, we had Chernobyl disaster. And 2011, the Fukushima disaster in Japan. The atomic bombs of Fat Man and Little Boy were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. See the power that's released in these things. And here 2,000 years ago it says, the powers, the Oranos, the dynamite of the heavens will be released. Now Jesus said that. The dynamite from the heavens among the people will be released. Would you turn with me briefly to Joel chapter 2? I'm going to close this very soon. Thank you for your attention. Joel chapter 2. And when we look at this, I want you to see something very, very interesting. Joel chapter 2, please. Just let me get it here too. Come on. Let your eye run down to verse 28, please. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters, your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Now we know that's Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's read on. 
And also upon the servants and upon thy handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. See the term pillars of smoke. Underline it there. It's the word teroma. Teroma. And it means columns. Like the pillar of cloud that followed Israel and the pillar of fire. He says there will be pillars of smoke. Do you know what it also gives the idea of? A palm tree. A shape of a palm tree. Do you ever see the pictures of Nagasaki in Hiroshima when the bombs were dropped? The uranium nuclear bomb was dropped? It goes up like a pillar of smoke and turns into like the shape of the palm tree. That's what they're saying here. Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Spirit. And the Lord says, but there's coming a day when you'll see pillars of smoke shaped like palm trees. Let me finish with this. Thank you for your attention. Those of us who are saved and are in Christ. Those of us who have been born again and trusting in the blood of Christ. We have no need to fear for he is our hope. For he is our God. For he is our savior. For he is our redemption. For he is our king. For he is our Lord. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel 37 and verse 26. And this is after the bones come together and it form flesh on them. And people say it's the church. It doesn't say this. It's the whole house of Israel. I believe that we are at that stage where we have been formed under the gospel. Notice what it says here. Ezekiel 37 and verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. What is the covenant of peace? It's the cross. It's Calvary. What is the covenant, the everlasting covenant? It's the death of our Lord Jesus Christ to die for sinners. What is the covenant of peace? It's Christ himself. Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, he said. He says, you want peace? He says, I'm your peace. And I will make peace between you and your heavenly Father. I will make peace between you and Almighty God. And I will come and bleed and die for you. I will shed my precious blood for you. And I will bring an everlasting covenant of peace with you. See, I'm at peace with God tonight. I'm at peace with the Father tonight. Because I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus tonight. Are you at peace tonight? In a world that's going into a state of confusion and perplexity? This is my last verse. Hebrews 13 and 12 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Make you perfect in every good work to do 
has wealth. Are you under the blood? Are you washed in the blood? Are you trusting in the blood? Are you forgiven through the blood? Covenant of peace. So what will happen? Micah tells us Christ is coming. There'll be no more war. No more disasters. No more man's inhumanity to man. No more people being slain in the streets for Christ will come and set up his kingdom and he shall land, set his feet at the eastern gate at the Mount of Olives and he will go across and he will walk right up through that gate and he will take over. He's not coming for some sort of picnic, you know, he's coming to take over. He's coming to take charge. But are you saved? Are you ready? In the world that we live in, are you prepared? What if you did catch sick? Are you ready to meet the Lord if you died? What if you did take something? We don't deny there's something there. Whatever it is, we don't deny it. I've had it. I know it's there. But tell me, if you died, are you at peace with God? Well, what about you, preacher? If you have died, are you at peace with God? Absolutely! You know why? Because I'm trusting in the blood. I'm trusting in Christ. Not trusting in governments. Dear, help us if we are. They're only men. The best of men are only men at their best. And some of them are trying their best too. I'm trusting in the blood of Christ. I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus tonight. And if I was to be taken now or whatever it is down the road later, I know that I belong to him. Are you saved? Are you Christ? Are you ready? I trust you're ready. I trust you're saved. Should Christ come or call? I trust you're ready. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel, said Amos. And you, sir, and you, lady, prepare to meet thy God. You can be prepared to meet him as your Savior and your Lord and enter his joy, or you can be prepared to meet him as your Lord and your judge. And he'll say, depart from me, I didn't know you. Trust you're ready. If you're not ready, you can get ready tonight if you see us tonight. Talk to us tonight. We'll point you to Christ. You might be saved. God bless you.